everybody. We want to welcome you to No Regrets Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Morton. And I'm Carla. And for those of you listening, this is the third time we've started this podcast because I kept blowing the introductions the first time. So, hey, we're glad you're taking time out of your week to be with us. And uh, as we get a chance to share really our heart, and that's hopefully to encourage you and and really build in the marriage of your dreams. Uh, Last week, we started what's now going to be a three-series podcast on dealing with conflict. That I think for a lot of people, conflict sort of an ugly word. They don't like it. They a lot of people may try to avoid it, and yet I think as we said last week, conflict's inevitable in any relationship you have, but especially marriage because you're you're with each other all the time. Um, the key is handling conflict in a really healthy way. Conflict can be one of those things that strengthens your marriages in ways that unlike anything else, because it forces you to work together, to work on something as a partnership to achieve a goal that you both want to see happen. Um, Carl, why don't you give us a quick recap of last week's podcast before we get into today's. Okay, I think we talked about what you just said, the the idea that you don't have to look at it as a negative. You don't want to look at another couple and think, man, they must just always get along. They agree. They don't fuss. There's no issues. That's not true. There's no two human beings that are married that don't have some issues of conflict. And what we talked about was the idea that you want to learn to do it in a healthy way. So again, it's not that you're not going to have conflict. You are but the way you handle it is the key to what it does. And so that's kind of what we wanted to talk more about tonight is thinking about what are some of the ways that you don't want to do it. Yeah, so last week we talked about sort of conflict on a scale of 1 to 10. Oh, yeah, yeah. 1 being uh, no real big deal, I'm not even going to bother mentioning it, to 10 being, hey, this is serious. I think we called it over my dead body, which is probably an extreme but just realize that a lot of conflicts we you don't want to. There's going to be disagreements, difference of opinions. But what happens when it gets to be something that you just can't let go? And usually it rises to this level when sometimes it's not just of a difference of opinion. It's something the other person has done that's either really upset you or hurt you or angered you or something else. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot. And and when we talked last week a little bit about that idea of the one to 10, you want to think about if they're lower numbers, some of that is part of living with another fallen human being. And as Paul reminds us, and he says, you know, bear with one another, you know, in essence, put up with one another and the faults we have and the things we don't like. So a lot of our, what you might call little petty things, if you want to use that word, Those are pieces of living with one another, that there ought to be some grace. There ought to just be letting that roll off our back. The problem comes in when the things that are going on, like you said, they involve maybe hurt. They may involve some deeper wounds, um, some patterns of behavior that have been really unhealthy maybe in the marriage. And now this is way more than a one, two, or a three. We've got maybe some significant conflict that is going on. 
And part of why we think it's so important to talk about this is because what we seem to see a lot, and we also would be examples of this, is what you want to do is acknowledge that there's conflict. And then you want to sort of identify how big a deal is it or not. And then you want to do things about it. The problem is when couples don't. And now you get into this really unhealthy pattern. And before you know it, your drift and your problem is deep and wide. Yeah. So what we're going to focus on today is what are some of the unhealthy ways that we've seen people deal with conflict? And we really want to focus on sort of the four biggies. And a lot of times what they do is they tend to sort of build around each other. When one happens, it often leads to the next and then the next and then the next. And I think the one thing that sort of is in common is how they start. And that's where when somebody has stepped on our toes, somebody has hurt us, somebody's offended us, that our immediate reaction is to go on the attack. Yes. And our focus is not on the behavior and some of the things. It sort of becomes personal, and we go at that person. Yes. And and a lot of times, I think what we often see is we end up there because we haven't dealt with things in the past. And like you said, they sort of keep building up and up and up. And maybe they haven't responded the way we wanted them to, or they just tried to push it off, and they're not willing to take it seriously or won't even deal with it at all. And so we just get to the point that, to be honest, we get angry about it. Yeah. And so that really the first big one, if you would, that happens, and these are unhealthy, sort of, if you would, dangerous kind of patterns that you don't want to get into. The first one is when we start to criticize. And again, we're meaning a criticism of the person sort of the personal kind of attack. It's no longer, you know, you were late or you were this. You know, it's not the behavior. It's you're selfish. You always intend to do so-and-so to make me embarrassed, to make me whatever. It's a criticism of you. Yeah, it's a criticism of your character. And a lot of times people will throw in names and barbs and, and things that we know can sometimes be hurtful. And that's the reason we're saying them in the first place. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, you're always selfish. You never think of anybody else. You're so lazy. You never, you know, and it's a lot of times it's this hyperbole. It's you never, never, never. And all of that is, it's an expression of frustration and anger, but instead of focusing on behavior, you're going after that person. And usually what happens once someone starts criticizing you. Yes, is you sort of move into a lot of time, then the response from the other person is they get defensive. Yeah. And they start making excuses. It's not my fault or if anything, they may even try to turn it back on you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so there you move into sort of that blaming, like I'm not responsible at all, it's you. And so then instead of, either person being willing to say, okay, what part of this is mine because I've sort of attacked you and I've hit you in a way that, you know, really jabbed you. 
you come back and you defend whatever you did. And then, of course, it just kind of cycles. And now then that person may be angry because you're not taking it serious. You're not owning up to what yeah, you did. Yeah, you're not taking responsibility. So it's almost like this ping pong match. You criticize, I defend, or even may even switch it where I turn the criticism around on you. Oh, yeah, because now let's throw something off on you. As you said, sometimes it's these hyperboles. It's always or you never. Yeah, it's never. Nothing I do is ever good enough for you. And, and, so the pro- and with that, generally speaking, that's probably not true. We probably don't always do this thing, or we probably don't ever not do something that's asked of us. And so you get into that, and, and you lose the specifics of the real issue. You lose the issue, because now it's this personal attack and pain. So we criticize then the other person may become very defensive or... Or the other thing, and this is, and I think a lot of people, they tend to lean towards one or the other or when they've had enough of it, and that's they go into the stone wall. Yeah. And that is just, they shut down, they go silent, they're not going to respond to you at all. And the problem, of course, with that is a bunch of things. One it is, it's a power control, really, because the person who shuts down, basically, they end up being in charge because it's like, you can't make me talk to you. You can't make me discuss this or deal with this. So I'm in a place of power to shut you out. And it is so wounding. It is so frustrating. It, again, does not allow any opportunity for you to really have resolution about whatever the issue is when you do that. But as you said, sometimes people do that out of just a total frustration of this, what they feel like is an attack and the criticizing and they just, the blaming and they just, they shut down. Well, uh, you know, that's sort of a pattern I think we have. Because I would... And, and you've shared this before. We shared this on the last podcast and other times. That was a lot of your time. It was, you know, the problem wasn't the problem. The problem was me. It was, I was defective or so, as you would say. Yes. And, and that, that's, and, and yeah. my, I think my initial thing would have been defensiveness. Yes. You would tell me. I try to make yeah, excuses. Wh- I was trying to do this or whatever. And then after a while, I got tired of. My mouth. And so I just, I just said, I'm just, I'm not going to fight with you. I'm not going to talk about it. And so, I would just cut you off. Now, and, and what's interesting is, y'all, it doesn't always mean that they walk out of the room, that they literally leave you. They may not even put their hand up and say, I'm not talking to you anymore. But it literally is like they check out. They just shut down, yeah. And they, they may even be staring at you. But they are no more there than a man in the moon. And that that is a really not good place to get. And the problem is, like you said, it's like this horrible ping pong or tennis match. And so it's like because this wounding and then one person is sort of attacking, the other person maybe becomes defensive or it gets flipped at times. And you, you're you not dealing with the issue at all. We've lost sight of what the root of the conflict is. Yeah. And, and let me just one more thing about that idea of stonewalling. You know, we talk about less. a lot of conflict comes from poor communication and poor communication skills. And somehow we forget that silence itself is a communication. Oh, yeah. And it's a powerful one. It's not a good one, usually. 
you know, there may be times that, you know, when you're doing something, you know, the whole dramatic pause and silence, that may be effective. But when it comes to the conflict, silence is almost never a healthy response to it. Again, it's sort of a power play because it's saying, I, you can't make me talk about this. You can't make me engage with you. And so, man, you're talking about a, just a very unhealthy, unloving, unkind way to do it. But let's be honest, it is really easy, I would say, of these first three, criticizing and then becoming defensive when you hear that, you know, that sort of blaming, and then possibly stonewalling, especially if that's your go-to. And usually it's kind of like you're an attacker, you're jumping on the other person, so to speak, or you're kind of shutting down and stonewalling. And the challenge, of course, is is when you have one of both. Yeah. And I was the shark. You the you attacked. I was the shark animal, and you are. I don't know what you are. You were just like the stone wall. Well, I, I would I would get defensive, but then I just get tired of it, and yeah. I was just I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to deal with you right now. So what's interesting? Yeah. So in my mind. So what's interesting is it, it didn't mean that we didn't ever quote, and we'll we'll talk at another time, sort of about the idea of fighting and where the difference is in handling conflict well versus really getting into a fighting, which the fighting part involves a lot of emotion. And a lot of times we didn't particularly, all, we did some of that, but again, a stonewaller, a lot of times you don't end up with the yelling, fighting, throwing, because they've just sort of shut down. But as you said, it's a powerful negative way of dealing with it. Okay, so we're talking about unhealthy ways to respond to conflict. And we talked about the first three. We talked about criticism, where you're not... You're not dealing with the actions the other person had. You're going after them and their character. They are a bad person. Oftentimes when we do that, people get defensive or they stonewall. And in really situations, and usually this is when there's been unresolved conflict going on for a while and both people are frustrated, and that's when it sort of goes into that area of contempt. And when it reaches that point, that's where you get a lot of deep wounding in yeah. the relationship. Because at that point, contempt really means I intend to hurt you or harm you. I mean, I'm so, it's, it's almost when you think about maybe a wounded animal and the idea that somebody trying to come at the animal to help them and they would just lash out, they would attack. And that is almost what's happened. They, there's such deep, hurt, pain, unhealthy ways of dealing with it, that now we just get this very raw, angry response. And so what you want to try to do is think, we don't ever, ever want to end up there. We don't ever want to end up where my intent is to harm you, to hurt you, to do something that causes you pain. And yet, sadly, we see that. And we've seen that. And it is it is painful. It's terrible. But I think one of the if there if there's a bright spot to this, it's that one of the reasons we're talking about these things is so that couples listening may can say, you know what? We do do a lot of criticizing one another. I kind of go for the jugular when you start to do this, that, and the other. Or we I'm kind of guilty of, you know, whichever one. 
And so it's a recognition that maybe you have started carrying out some of these really unhealthy ways of dealing with conflict. And the truth is, sometimes we do are doing it by our own innate selfish way. And this is just our go-to in, in our, you know, the way we're responding. But other times, it may be some learned behavior that we saw in our family of origin. We've talked about that before, that sometimes this is kind of what we saw played out. And so what you really want to do is, man, if you find yourself in that cycle of criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling, defensiveness, criticism, and you start going back and forth in that, like you said, that ought to be sort of the warning buzzards going off. Ding, ding, ding. That yeah. we are not doing this well and right. And like you said before, unfortunately, for a lot of people, that's all they know because they saw it growing up. That's always been the characteristics of their marriage. But you really want to keep it from moving to that last level of contempt where literally it's like, I want to wound you. I want to hurt you. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And so we want to, we say all this again to say, let's recognize where we've got unhealthy patterns. I think one of the other pieces in all of this and recognizing those four things is, and and you said this, Johnny, is the idea that when you get into that criticizing, defending, that kind of thing, it really is sort of blaming the other person for the way you're ending up feeling. So it's like, I'm not responsible. You've made me feel this way. And y'all, the truth is, no one can make us feel any given way. That is a choice we make. And people can do actions and behaviors that do things and trigger emotions in us, but we choose to have that emotion. We choose to keep walking in it. And so I think one of the challenges for us, for me especially, was I got into, as Johnny said, I could be very critical and my tongue could be a flaming fire. Mm -hmm. And what happened was instead of seeing some of the things as differences and uniquenesses of genders, personality, temperaments, what I saw was you must be deficient in this area. You had to be wrong because in my mind, I was right about what it was. So the only thing was I had to blame you. You had to be wrong. You were creating this problem for me and I had to throw it on you. But what happens then is we end up not looking at ourselves at all because what I do is I'm all I'm focused on is what's wrong with you and you're causing the problem. Well, yeah, oh, I, I, I remember that. And, and, and it, it, it wasn't fun at all. It wasn't a pleasant experience. No, it wasn't. Okay, And, so and we, we had to, yeah, there was a lot of places to just learn this. Because we did it wrong a lot of the times. Yes. And and as we've said before, a lot of these principles, we learned the hard way. Um, Okay, let's say somebody finds themselves in this. How do they get out of it? Well, I do think, let's go to like worst case scenario. Let's let's think about somebody who says, man, I'm I'm at a point that what I feel is, is literally hatred for my spouse or this, that. I mean, we're talking strong stuff. We would probably say at that point, you you need, you all, you, if you're listening and you're thinking that, you need professional help in the yeah. sense of you need a counselor. 
You need somebody because what you're going to have to do is dig back down to those roots and where some of these hurts, painful patterns come from and begin to unearth that. I mean, that's that's what we got to go back to is where where's this where's this coming from? How did it start and how did I get here? Okay. And so if you're not at that point, maybe you're just at the point that, hey, we know we're just not doing this right. We keep having these things over and over again. It doesn't seem to ever get resolved. Man, how do we get out of this cycle? And shameless plug here. Um, (laughs) But, you know, and that's where wherever you are, that's really what I think the great value of marriage coaching is. Yes. Where marriage counseling really focuses and looking at those past hurts that you're going to go into the past and you're going to dig up and see why you're doing this. And really what those root causes maybe are that have gotten you to where you are. Yeah. And oftentimes you may need both counseling and coaching, but coaching, which is what we do, what Carla and I do is it's really coming alongside and taking you from where you are and giving you the tools. Yes. Walking with somebody, giving them the tools to get better. You know, we've often talked about like sports thing. You know, you go to a golf coach, he wants to fix a problem in your swing and he's going to give you the tools to do it. And then you got to go practice it and you keep practicing, practicing and, and you work on things. And that's what marriage coaching is about. Somebody to walk alongside you, to be able to listen to you, sort of hear what's going on and through their experience and training, be able to say, hey, here are some tools that I think can help you with that. And so that brings us to the end of this podcast and really sets us up for next week. So we talked about, hey, conflict's inevitable. What you really want to get away from is that really destructive kind of conflict where you're really attacking and demeaning and going after each other and learn how to handle conflict in a healthy way. And so on our next podcast, that's what we want to focus on is we want to talk about and give you some tools to really handle conflict in a healthy way that's actually going to make your marriage stronger and more intimate and better than it is right now. Yes. So any last thoughts, Carla, before we say goodbye? Nope. Join us next time, though. All right. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate it. Keep on forging.